Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. Wednesday nights is we're doing something called, I'm trying to turn the church. I don't want to just be a traditional church. I want to be an apostolic center because I believe that's got what God wants. Okay, and so we're not in a hurry. We believe this affects us as a church But I want you to know we also believe it affects you as an individual. Because if you can learn this, you'll start to understand that even in the business mountains, there's apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers in the business mountain. There's the same in the education mountain, in the educational world. There's the same in every every part of this thing, every part of the cultures. There's seven mountains of culture. We've taught you that. And and this, this involves every one of those. So somewhere in this, it involves your life. So I want you to gather this information, put it down in your spirit, let God help you. Now let me, for those that weren't here last week, let me give you just a quick little review of where we've been. We, we're looking at the difference between an apostolic hub or a, a center, a revival center, whatever you want to call it, a lot of terminology, and at the traditional church. One thing just to remind you, to help you remember, is the traditional church really is about Growth. It's about how many people you have. They'll always ask, "How big's your church? Uh, you know, how how many people are there? How how's your attendance? How's the church growing?" That's that's the where, that's where the church world is at. But the apostolic hub is different. It's about the presence of God. Okay, the presence, the power, God's spirit, the moving of His spirit becomes more important to us than just people, just numbers. Okay, we believe that, that people are important. Amen. We're not throwing that out. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're just now going to begin to contend. Instead of talk about the supernatural, we actually want it. We actually want it. We want to see it happen in our church. And so we're going to have to change the way we're doing business because the way we've been doing business for 50 years has not produced it. Now, we get, a, we get a hit and miss every once in a while. Every once in a while, we'll get a miracle and we're happy for it. But I want to live in that. I don't believe Jesus was a hit and miss and every once in a while on a Sunday we got a miracle. I believe there was something that happened on a regular basis. And I'm trying to walk us towards that. So we talked about that a little bit last week. And then we talked about the definition of a hub. Let me remind you of that. Let's look at up above. It's a center that's focused on digging and maintaining a rich well of revival. In other words, we have to contend for it. It's a spirit-led ministry that's, that's designed for equipping awakening and a societal transformation we want to actually change the culture of our city it's a base of tactical operation organization and deployment for example for example i just heard yesterday and i'm not sure of my stats here this is hearsay but there's over 300 young girls right now in our community that are looking to have an abortion they're teenage girls they're in high schools and they're struggling. Now, I'm not here to pick on people having abortion. I'm definitely pro-choice. I'm pro-life, okay? But I, I, those girls, when they get done with that, there's going to be a big hole in their hearts. They're going to hurt. Their families are going to hurt. They're, 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 the next generation, it's just a, a bad scene. So what are the churches doing about it? Nothing. Okay, we all, we're just going to pray. We're going to say, oh, how horrible it is, how bad it is. What, where are we going to become a center for establishing something that touches these kids? When are we actually going to quit talking about the drug problem? I heard a company today, a businessman called me today. They've had, I forget how many hundreds go through, and they can't hire the people because they can't pass the drug test. Okay, 
when are we going to do something about that? When, when is that actually going to start to change? Are we just going to keep saying, oh, oh, God, help us. Oh, God, touch our city. Or are we going to do something? Amen. So I'm wanting us to, to become that center that does something. Are you following what I'm saying? I, I don't want to just talk about it. Let's do something. Now, not just to do it, but let's figure it out. Let's get a God idea, not a man idea. And let's establish something that we can help these people and have a societal transformation. Amen. Amen. We have all kinds of young girls that they get married, they, they're in love with a guy, and I'm not saying he's not in love with them, but after they put him through school, have two babies, and then he leaves her. Now there she is, a single woman, no, nowhere to go, she, she has no money, she's broke, she's got two babies, he's gone with some of the girls. What about those girls? What are we doing to help them? Amen. I'm talking about something real here, okay? I'm not just up here preaching something fancy to you. I want to see us change the course and actually bring the presence of God to bear in people's lives. Not just talk about, I really want to see a change, amen. I believe we can make a change. I believe that. Not only that, just recently, just in the last few days, I cannot tell you how many pastors are calling me, not Church of God pastors, pastors, Baptist pastors, all kinds of folks in this area that are looking to do something to reach out. All of a sudden, it dawned on me today, I was telling Pastor Nevin, it dawned on me, God is giving us the warriors. They're actually wanting to partake with us and fight with us to see a change in our community. Now, that's powerful. So here we are, already becoming a center a center, a voice for God to do so. It doesn't have to happen in this church. It has to happen in this region. Amen? So that's what we're looking at. Now, we've started understanding that it's going to take a five-fold ministry to do that. That five-fold ministry works the same in a business. Somebody in that business is apostolic. They're governing and guiding. Somebody in that business ought to be speaking and directing and having vision for it. Somebody ought to be looking over the business of it and training the business of it. That if you want a solid business, create a five-fold ministry in your business. Okay? I'm just telling you. So, so this in the church we understand, and I started talking about it, that the, the thing that we'll walk into a church and we'll do is we'll say, who's the pastor? There's nothing evil in that, nothing wrong in that. I've done it and we'll continue to do that. But the Bible says in Ephesians 2.20 that the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Okay, Very, I've never had anybody walk into the church and say, who's the apostle here? But that should be the question. Come on, somebody. I know that makes you nervous, and I'm not beating down pastors. How many of you know we need pastors too? We need teachers, we need evangelists, we need all of it. I'm not trying to put one above the other. I'm simply saying there's differences of office, and we've, we've, what we've done is we've had pastors, and that's it. In our churches, amen. Every once in a while we had some evangelists, but we starved them to death. No, that's true, that's true, because you used to have revivals four and five days. Now you can't get people out except on Sunday morning. So the evangelist only gets to preach four times a month, or five if it's a five-week a month. He gets $100 a week. You can't live on $500 a month. These churches give about $100. How many of you know that's a sin? No, really. If the guy is going to live off of it, he's got to at least make $1,000 a week. You can't live on less. Amen. Would you take a job that pays $3.10 an hour? 
So, so I'm just trying to help you understand something. So we've I'm not beating them down. I'm saying that we've, we've messed up a little bit. We need to come back around full circle. All five parts are necessary for the equipping of the saints. Are you a saint or an eight? You're a saint. So you're going to need all five parts. You need the apostle to speak into your life, the, the evangelist, the prophet. And then somewhere along the line, uh, you, you're probably activated in one of those areas yourself in your business or in your, wherever you're at in life. Amen. And so, so we, 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 the fivefold ministry fathers, it imparts, it equips, it activates, and it releases. That's the part churches have a trouble with, that release part. They, they're not good at letting somebody go. How many of you know if they don't go, they can't occupy? If they can't occupy, we can't change the culture. So the, it's all a part of it. So, so we talked about the apostolic ministry being a ministry that governs and guides. And we concluded last week with the story of Jairus, who was a synagogue ruler, basically a pastor. His daughter is dying, and he realizes he has zero power to do anything about it. He has, he, he's, he's the pastor of the church, but there's nothing happening in his church. And so basically he reaches out to the, un, the unpopular prophet named Jesus. Jesus is going by and all the other boys, the Sadducees and Pharisees, would be very upset with him. But he knows that this guy's walking in something different than what he's got. And he needs what Jesus has. And so we talked about him realizing that the church that he was a part of, the, the, even led, was not powerful enough to save his family. Somebody say amen or ouch. And so there needs to be a change. We've got to quit losing our kids. We've got to quit losing our kids. Let me say that again. We need our babies back in the house of God under his presence. And so somewhere we've got to get a hold of this. And so this man reached out for it. Now today I'm going to talk a little while on Ezekiel. Then we're going to move into intercession and the foundation of intercession and warfare. Then we're going to move into some spiritual worship, tribes and unity, different things. I want you, we're going to walk you line for line to understand when we get all done with this, we're going to actually learn how to engage principalities and powers and change the, uh, the, the, ap uh, the atmosphere of our region. That's where we're headed for. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, more apostolic in my gifting. And, uh, Dina's more prophetic in her gifting. So when we get to the part on intercession, I'm going to have her come and speak about it. When we get to the part on worship, I'm going to have Jared come and speak about it. I want people that have those gifts working in them to impart it to us. Is that all right? And so even though I've given them kind of an outline, they're free to flow and let God use them. That's what we're looking for. So before I get there, let's look at Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel is a priest. He's a prophet. He's a watchman. He, he's watching over the people of Israel. And he has extraordinary visions. God just speaks to this guy in visions. So let's read the great vision. We've all read it before, but let's just kind of go through it again. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley. It was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them, those bones, all around me. In other words, he moved me through the valley and the bones were all around me. And behold, there were very many. And they were in an open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. How dry were they? Very dry. Mm, I've been to a lot of churches that were how dry? Very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these people live? Bones, can this church, can these pew members live? And he said, oh Lord, only God, only you know that. Now I want you to imagine the scene. They're not just dry. 
They're very dry. And there's not just a few of them, there's a whole valley full of them. It's a big church. It's a mega church. And that's what he's looking at. This is what's happening to him. And so I believe that today the church again finds itself in a valley. I don't believe we're on the mountaintop where we ought to be. I don't believe we're walking in the vision, the revelation God has for the earth. Half of us are for Trump. Half of us are against Trump. You know, nobody knows. That's the church's condition. Nobody, only God knows what's going on. And that's where the church, the church isn't supposed to be there. You're supposed to carry the mind and heart of God. But the church can't even decide what it's doing because they're a valley full of bones. They're dry. They don't know. And so they respond whenever the Lord tries to move in their midst. Only you know, Lord. Only you know. They, they don't even know how God's Spirit comes in a service. They don't know when it goes. They don't know what's happening. They don't know how to heal the sick. They don't know how to raise the dead. They don't know how to cast out a devil. They don't know. They're not evil. They just don't know. So it goes on. Again, he said to me, now prophesy to these bones and say to them, here's what I want you to tell them, oh, dry bones. What if I got up and started prophesying to you like that? Oh, dry bones. Can you imagine that? That's what he did. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to you bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, I'll cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So this again, he's speaking to a lukewarm, very dry, even apostate. They actually resist the moving of God. They don't like it. They want tradition. They, they want to just lay there. They don't want to be moved. And so there they are. And so God says, what we have to do to change this type of church... We're going to have to rise up and prophesy his word. Amen. It didn't say preachers. It didn't say apostles. It said all of us. Rise up. Stop looking at the gloom and the doom and the dryness. Stop looking at the valley and the scorpions and the snakes and the tumbleweeds. Stop looking and start speaking God's word. Can I tell you something again, church? God, Jesus is still in the restoration business. He's never changed the number over his door, the name over his door. He is still the resurrection and the life. He's still in the business of resurrecting the dead and transforming them and making them great and mighty in the earth. Amen. That has never changed. So he says, Ezekiel, you're going to have to rise up and speak what I tell you to speak. And I think that that's what we're going to have to do. You're going to have to, now it's not just a church. You're going to have to learn how sometimes when you're in your home and that evil spirit has come in there and you feel so dry, so lonely, so discouraged, so disappointed, so frustrated at your life that you start to prophesy God's will in that environment. You have to start saying you're going to live. This house will be a house of joy and victory and life. I'm not going to sit around here and put out the candles and stare at myself in a mirror. Amen. We've got to prophesy to our... I'm telling you, I'm the best prophet I've ever known when it's just me and a mirror. Thus saith the Lord, Ray Ray. <laughs> and I tell him what's going on, man. I call them bones alive. Okay, you got to do that to your family, and you got to do that in your churches, you got to do that in our city, you got to drive down the street when you see stuff that ain't right, prophesy life. Prophesy life to it. Amen. Speak it out of your mouth. Say it. 
Don't think it, say it. The Bible never said to think it. It said to say it. And so you have to say it into your region. So he says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came on them and skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So here's what happens. When you begin to be obedient, you start to do and say what God's going to tell you to do. Something's going to start to shift. Now, when it shifts, it's scary and noisy. Let me say it again. When God starts to move in Beckley, it's going to be weird and noisy. Everybody's going to talk about it. That's a weird church over there. Do you see all the shifting? Do you see all them bones rattling? They're going to wonder what's going on. It's going to make them nervous. If they don't understand it, they're not used to rattling bones. They're not used to restoration. But it starts to happen so fast, they don't know what's going on. Now listen, that is what God's design is. Let me jump into the New Testament just for a moment. Acts 3.20, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven had to receive him. He paid the price, he died and went to heaven. Until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. So here's what he says. Jesus is in heaven. It's had to receive him. But there's a restoration that has to happen. That's you and I speaking to it. As we speak to it, God begins to restore it here in the earth just like he's done all the way back since Ezekiel. So that means when you drive down there by the cookout and you prophesy, well, it got real quiet. The char, I don't know where you guys like to eat. Cheddars. I don't know where your favorite, but wherever your place is at, you have to learn to prophesy and speak to it so there can be restoration. You can actually speak over a restaurant and everybody walks in there that eats will feel the presence of God. Oh, you, you've never felt that? That's because nobody said nothing or prophesied it. Somebody has to speak it into the environment. Okay. Nations are going to shift. Hear me. They're going to shift. Watch what it says in Revelations 18. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. The earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. And has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. I'm telling you, God's going to shake these nations and demons are going to manifest. God is going to change the, what you see in the earth. You're going to find out people that have been quiet for a long time suddenly rise up and there they are, ISIS. You didn't even know they existed, but there they were in mass. Demons coming alive. Saddam Insane's, Hussein, whatever his name was. Rising up out of nowhere. And God, God shaking them and taking them down. And nations shifting. Amen. Everything, the Bible says, is going to be shaken. Everything. Including Beckley. Including your family. Here's what it says. Hebrews. This is New Testament, folks. Hebrews 12. Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but God says, I'm going to shake the heavens. That first level, that second level. Remember I taught you on that? The second level of heaven? The third. He said, I'm going to shake them. 
Now this, yet once more, indicates, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to, uh, there's going to be a removal of everything that being shaken, of the things that are made and the things that, spirit, things that are made and things of the spirit, things that you can't touch with your hands. I'm going to shake it all. God says, I'm going to shake it all, and only that that remains is what's going to remain. I'm telling you, when we speak, things happen in the spirit. When we speak, things begin to change. Nations change. Cities change. Demons have to loose their holes over neighborhoods. Things start to happen. God starts to move. But if you drive down the street oblivious and listen to your, your, your Caleb, ain't nothing happening. Amen. I'm not picking on Caleb or whatever the love is here. Amen. I'm saying somewhere the saints need to activate. Somewhere we got to quit just going to church on Sunday and be the church. You got to quit doing a witness and be a witness. You got to live it out. So, so we need to rise up, wake up ourselves. God wants to heal. God wants to change the valley. God wants to move in the valley. And we have to prophesy. And when we do, there's going to be a lot of shaking. There's going to be a lot of sounds. There's going to be a lot of reverberation. Don't get daunted by that. Ezekiel says, also he said to me. Now by the time he says that also, you're already, whoo. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Hmm. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. I watched my children, my family. I'm watching a nephew right now in a fight for his life. The devil will slay them. I'm not always talking physically, but spiritually. He'll take your babies and put them down, man. Lock them behind bars. Make them sick. All kinds of things happen to your baby. Somebody has to rise up and command the breath of God to come back into them. Somebody has to stand up and prophesy to the mountain that seems too big and the valley that seems too wide and say what God says to say. God is raising up. A prophetic revelation to speak in his people. This is not an hour to just hear the preacher talk on Sunday and on Wednesday nights. And, on, and if you're really blessed on a Sunday night, it's an hour to let the Spirit of God move through you. The old wineskin cannot handle this that I'm talking about. It will actually burst it. So you have to have a new wineskin. You have to have a new way of thinking. You have to have a new structure. You have to realize, I'm not just going to be that old kind of Christian. I'm not going to be the Pastor Ray, uh, what everybody thinks he should be anymore. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Amen, somebody. I'm not talking to me. I'm talking to you. Everybody should be saying that. So what is the new wineskin? What is it? It's a paradigm of ministry that focuses on equipping rather than feeding. So we come to church, well, I'm just not getting fed. You ain't supposed to get fed here. You go to fishes and loaves to get fed. Just teasing. <laughs> this is the place for equipping in here. This is where we learn how. See, see, it's not important because you haven't been in a battle. But if you and I was going to fight ISIS out those doors in 30 minutes, and I was teaching you how to load your gun, I bet you'd pay attention. I bet you'd be taking notes. I put the bullet in where? Because you haven't been in a battle, it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't lock in. But I'm trying to tell you, you got to pay attention. This is an equipping house. This is a place where we're going to send you, not gather you.
Churches have been all about gathering the lost. Let's all bring in the lost. Let's just love the lost. The thing is, that's beautiful. That's step number one. You bring them in here. You powder them a little bit. Give them some food. Here's your gun. And you put them right out there. You're sending them into the earth. We become teams. It's not the one man, uh, Pastor Ray Ray, Pastor whoever up there. It's a team of people. You are all helping me pastor this region. You're all pastors. Have you look at your neighbor and say, You're a pastor? Tell him I ain't lying. <laughs> you're not lying. You're every one of your pastors. You're supposed to operate in that. Now, Lee Grady, the man I've met, talked to him. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Lee. He's the director of um, the Mordecai Project. He used to be something you guys might have you ever read a Charisma magazine? He was the director, he was the, the editor for that. He says that 90% of what we're doing in churches today needs a total makeover. A total makeover. 90% of what we're doing. He, this is a guy that was working with churches and doing editorials on churches all over the world, and he says we need a big, big makeover. I agree with him. He says there's three points for transforming the old wineskin to the new wineskin. Number one, we have to break free from the fear of change. Listen, I don't know what the walls look like today. I guess I do. They're blue, gray, or tan, or whatever that color is. There, you got red lights. That's what it looks like today. You know, in five years, it might be yellow and purple, pink polka dots. I don't know what the style's going to be, nor do I care. I'm not afraid of the change. I don't care if we have pews, chairs, bean bags. Tables. I don't care. That's, uh, it doesn't matter. What I care about is the presence of God and the equipping of his people. Okay, that's where we're at. So God is always on the move, my friends. His, read it in the Bible. There they are. They're out there in the desert just taking a nice. they got a big fire burning by night. All of a sudden the fire goes away and there's a big cloud that starts to move and they're getting sunburned. So they follow the cloud. Then they get cold at night and they look over. There's a fire. So they go over there by the fire. And he moves around by fire and by cloud. And the people, he's always moving. Then he made them make trumpets. Blow trumpets. That's so that you and I, oh, look, we're going somewhere. God was always on the move. God is super adventurous. God's not into always the same old, same old. He's not. We might even start having church at 932. It just messes people up. I mean, my gosh, we have church at 10 o'clock. What's wrong with you, Pastor? Did you know that God might actually show up down here at 6.30 in the morning? God's adventurous. He's always fresh. He's always stretching your faith. Are you following what I'm saying? We're going to have to get used to change if you want to be a new wineskin. How many of you want to be a new wineskin? Really? I mean, honestly, you want God to put his spirit in you. You better get used to change. He's going to change things around you. He's going to change people, change stuff. It's going to change. Number two, you got to be willing to defy tradition. you got to defy it. You cannot live in the past and embrace the future. I'm not throwing away history. I'm not saying there's not some good things there that we want to celebrate. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that, that there are some sacred cows that, are, that, are, that, are, that don't belong in pulpits. And some churches really need to t- have a good, good Sunday afternoon barbecue. 
We got some goats in the house that are always butt, 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 goat, barbecue of goats. Amen. We got some sacred cows that would be great hamburgers. We got to get rid of the cows, get rid of the goats, and have some barbecues. Nostalgia. See, the pastor, that's just not the way we do it around here. The way you do it's got to stuck, you old wine bag. Now, listen, I've been preaching 40 years, and I find that often I'm the old wine bag. <laughs> I still do like some of the old stuff. I really do. But I know that the new generation just can't get on with that stuff. I should show that video. Sometime we should show that video. I showed my staff the other day about how you do church hunting. It's hilarious. They were talking about their pastor. They said, our pastor actually untucked his shirt. <laughs> and then they start talking about he has frayed pants. And the knees aren't all the way through, but they're frayed real good. They're talking about how to pick a church. Hey, man, let's move on. Number three, we must ask the Spirit to reveal his new strategies. We've got to know what God is doing. Now, listen, I'm not against reading good books. i got a big library. I'm not against listening to the preachers on the radio or having my favorites. That I, I'm not saying that. But all that stuff, I really don't really, I like it because it feeds me a little bit. But it's not what God's doing here. We need to know what God's doing here. Amen. Amen. Every family is a little bit different than somebody else's family. You can't just go and pose your rules on somebody else and expect it to work. Their kid's on drugs. And your rules of being in at 9 o'clock ain't going to work. Right? You've got you to find what happens in your area. So we've got we've to pray that God gives us a, an understanding, a counsel, a wisdom, a might. The seven spirits of God. Remember I taught you that. We've we got to have that ability to, to find. We, we don't need just the, the trend. The trend is usually pretty carnal. What we need, we don't need a superficial upgrade. We need to hear from God. Somebody say amen. We've got to learn to evangelize like if you don't tell them, nobody's going to tell them. You've got to evangelize like it depends on you. Not on Pastor Ray, not on Pastor Michael. You. If you don't tell that guy at the Cheddar's, he goes to hell. It's on you. You've got to feel it like that. You've got to take it like that. And then you've got to pray like it depends on God. Because you know that Ray Ray ain't no good at it. So I get on my knees, oh God help me. So that when I speak it comes alive. It touches their hearts. It's real. Because I know it's, I know I cheated to get through high school. Look at you guys all. I didn't. I, I, the Bible says the lion's a sin. <laughs> I know who I am. And I know if God doesn't help me it ain't going to work. Amen. So I pray and I ask God to help me so that when I speak, it's powerful. And I, I, know, that it's, it's, I know that you're helping me, but I, have, I can't depend. I've got to do my, my I'm, I have a commission. I'm told to go into all the world. Just like you are. I, what's the great commandment? Who knows? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's a great commandment. What's the second part of it? And your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're not reaching out to people around you, you have failed right there. Amen. I'm not trying to pick on nobody, but we need to get just that part done. Then when we get that done, we're supposed to be discipling and training and sending out and reaching the world. 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. Amen, amen, amen. And so it's, it's, I appreciate Sunday school classes. I appreciate teaching like tonight. I am really good tonight. I'm on fire. I'm just kidding. I appreciate all that stuff. But somewhere we got to quit being in here and be out there. Living it. Touching it. Touching people. Interceding for people. Praying for people. Helping people. Amen. It's got to do something real or it's just church. I'm so sick and tired of church. I don't want to just worship to worship. I want to worship because I know who he is and who I am, and I touch him with my... I don't worship because I need to. I worship because I have to. Brother Ray needs God every day because I'm a leaky vessel, and so are you. Hebrews will tell you that. We're all leaky vessels. It leaks out. you got to keep putting it in, friend. Somebody say amen. Now we're going to move a little bit into the foundation of intercession and how that starts to work. Because we don't want to just be a normal church. We want to be a church that speaks to valleys of dry bones. That speaks to things and rattles the environment around us. We want to be those people. Can somebody say, I'm with you? Okay. Pastor Dina, come and give us a revelation. So we're all about new? Yeah, yeah. what we're going to do here, guys, we're going to stop by 8.30 each time. Wherever we're at, we're just going to stop and go on. If she feels like she wants to pray, she can stop earlier. That's our goal. Okay? Whenever she gets done, we'll just keep on going. Is that all right? Give her... No, no. Is that all right? Give her a good hand. Come on. Oh, I thought we were doing it new, so I was ready to do the whole thing. I'm kidding. Wow. Are you guys having fun? Are you learning anything? So I get the job of unpacking prayer and intercession. And you want to talk about weird? Come join me sometime. I love to be weird. And the weirder the better. Because that way the devil doesn't know what we're doing. He never can figure us out. He's like, I don't know what that group's going to do. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And my prayer and intercession journey really only started where I really fully understood what prayer and intercession was, was maybe about seven years ago. And I was teaching a group of, of women on prayer and intercession, and I had no business of teaching them women because they had probably studied it for their whole life. But God chose me in that moment, and he said, Tag, you're it. And I would get up there, and I would be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Because I came from a place where we shot up some prayers and it was this 50-50 chance. Anybody with me? Come on. Like seriously, we would say, if it's your will, Jesus, please. That's what I grew up in. So I'm sitting in this group of women and we're decreeing and declaring till the cows come home and I'm going, people would think I lost my mind. But we actually saw change. And so when we think about the foundation of, of a revival hub, I'm getting so many names mixed up. I used to call it apostolic hubs. So if I call it something, I'm talking about what he's talking about. Okay? So when, when we talk about revival hubs and the foundation, we know that the foundation is 90% is of, I'm, I'm sure my husband could tell me, but 90% of the foundation is usually in the dirt. And you're not going to see it. But let me tell you, if we don't have the foundation laid, 
And we start putting doors up and we start putting windows. Pretty soon you're not going to get through the door and you're not going to be opening the windows if we don't have the foundation. And so part of the foundation is prayer and intercession. Now, a lot of people will ask, well, you know, what's the difference? And, and that's for you loonies back there. You go do that. The reality of it is, is the only difference between those words and what I've studied is in the Old Testament, intercession is also um, a word called paga. And the only difference that that word means is violence. That's the only difference between the two definitions. If you look into those definitions, into prayer and intercession, that's the only difference. And let me tell you, if you're going to get assignments from heaven, sometimes it's going to be violent. And you're going to want to throw things. You're going to want to kick things. And about two weeks ago, if you follow me on Facebook, I love memories. And about two weeks ago, there was a memory pop up on my Facebook, and Zachary had what I consider heels to me, okay? To you, some of you, they would be considered flats. But to me, those were my heels. And he was in our kitchen, and he put them on, and he was stomping around, and he was doing this thing. Let me tell you, he learned that from someone. Because sometimes, mama's got to get up in the kitchen in her high heels, and just like Ray was, uh, Apostle Ray was talking, and you got to get, you got to prophesy. He learned that because since he was in the womb, he's been prayed over. Because I've had a heart for intercession. I've had a heart for, uh, for prayer. And so it gets violent. It really does. And it's okay. We're going to get into this, so, so just hang on. But I want to tell you that if you look back in church history, in Acts 2, 1 to 4, was the very first outpouring of intercession and prayer. Those guys, I, gar I, I just sometimes ask the Holy Spirit, just let me peek. Just take me back in time, you know, like back to the future or whatever. Just take me back to the history. And just let me look in that room. I just want to see. Don't, do you ever ask these questions when you read the Bible? Like, could you just let me see what was going on in that upper room? So that it kind of justifies my... You guys are, you got to laugh, okay? This is fun. Prayer and intercession is fun. But, but it really is. It was the first outpouring that, that, uh, of prayer and intercession that we, can, that we find. And I want to tell you that every outpouring from then on was preceded in prayer and intercession. If you, if you look at all the revivals and all the things that have been birthed in the United States of America and, and, and the nation, it's always been birthed in prayer and intercession. I, I guarantee it. Remember, it's in the foundation, so you're not always, they're not always getting the news. I actually think I hope I do get in the news sometime. There's this crazy lady, and she's stomping down Eisenhower. I don't know what she's doing. You guys, man, come on. But prophetic intercession unlocks apostolic strategies over a region. Allow me to go back just one moment here. Because, of course, my bookmarks aren't going to work, but they are. One thing I want to say, I want to back, back up just a moment. Because a lot of people are like, well, where do you get intercession? Where do you get that title? I'll show you. Isaiah 59, 16 says, And he saw that there was no man. 
and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought him for, brought, brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. And in Ezekiel, this is why I don't like computers. These guys do to the computers. I don't do that. Ezekiel 22.30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would, come, who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Let me tell you, we have a God we have a father, we have a papa who is looking for someone to do something. He was doing it then, he's doing it now. That's why we pray, that's why we prophesy, that's why we intercede. Okay, so I, I wanted to share those scriptures because I feel like when we understand that prophetic intercession unlocks apostolic strategies over a region, we understand that we have this ability to hear from, from heaven. You all have an ability to hear tonight. My sheep hear my voice. And so when prophetic intercession begins to unlock, it, prophetic intercession will cover evangelists, they will cover pastors, they will cover regions. And, and as I began to study this tonight, I thought, and, and over this last couple days, I thought, we have, a, we have a, a team going to Kenya. Are we praying for them? Because your prayers will go before you got to believe this, or we're going to have to prophesy to some dead bones or dry bones. If you don't believe this, our prayers can actually go to Kenya tonight, rearrange some things for them, that they'll walk in and it'll be good. You can actually cover your kids. And, and when, when Ray was talking about, sometimes you just, you got to cover your family and you got to, are you tired of sex trafficking? Are you so tired of drugs? I'm going to go ahead and say I'm tired of sexting. And we might just be raising up a generation that's going to go into our school systems. And I'm one of those mamas who it'll never happen to my son. Right, wrong. Who might, what if we are raising up a generation of kids that we begin to prophesy into their life that when they go into these schools and the, and the peer pressure's there, they're actually rising up against this thing called sexting. I'm sick of it. You just made mom mad. That's where you're going to have to get if you want to see change. I'm only on my, it's going to be fine. So, so and, and prophetic intercession, it engages in high level of warfare. Listen, we have warfare over this region. We absolutely do. When I think of, of West Virginia, and when I remember to this day driving across that border and reading West Virginia, wild and wonderful. I have heard everything but wild and wonderful since I've been here. So somebody gave West Virginia wild and wonderful way back in the day. And I believe that God's rise, raising us up to bring it back to wild and wonderful. Instead of captured and not so wonderful. It's true. 
And so and Apostle Ray's been talking about each of these hubs, we're going to have like our own flavor. Some are going to have a church planting flavor and some are going to have uh, a missions flavor and some are going to, and, and it's okay. But the common denominator in every one of these is going to have to be prayer and intercession. It's going to have to be. That's going to have to be the thing that, that, that bursts this thing. It's going to have to be the heartbeat. Or what are we doing? What's the point? If we're just reading some good book, oh, this sounds good. Ooh, let's just do this. You're not hearing the heartbeat of God. And so, and, and, and in this prayer thing, there's so many different expressions of prayer. You know, I, I, I want to blow your mind just a moment. There's, there's prayers, there's travail prayers. Uh, and, and I don't have time, but it's in the Word. There's, there's prayers of dedication. There's faith prayers. There's the stomping prayers. I don't know if that's that, that literal term. That's Dina's term. There's stomping prayers where you're, where you're going to get your faith activated. There's, there's praise prayers. There's warfare prayers. There's so many different kinds of prayers. And I want to tell you, it's all okay. When you're in Jesus' name. Now, I would like to say something about that. We flippantly throw that around. Oh, and in Jesus' name, amen. You know it's true. I've been in church since I've been born. And I used to always hear them, and I thought, I don't, I don't understand. But I want to I I just tell you tonight, stop flippantly throwing that phrase around. In Jesus' name means in his name. And if you don't understand that that is actually a positional phrase, your prayers are going to be jacked up. You are right now sitting at Family Worship Center, right? Touch your neighbor. Are you here? You're here? Are you sure? Because the moment you say in Jesus' name, my Bible says that I'm seated with him in... So where are you? You're both. But the moment you start praying, sitting in Family Worship Center, from Family Worship Center, and not in Jesus' name, well, just say amen. You're going to pray some jacked up prayers. In Jesus' name. It's positional. Understand that. That's another whole message, and I'll let Apostle Ray finish that one. But prayer should be this unifying force. And, and why do we allow the devil to always let prayer divide? We do it in our church. Well, we don't like the way, you know, that that pastor prays. And we don't like the way Sally cries all the time when she's praying. We have all these filters. And it's, what, why? Because if you're really praying in Jesus' name... You actually can see the heart of that person. We're going to get there. I'm going to have to unpack some of this. But when, when we're praying and we're unified, I'm usually the first one on Sunday mornings to the prayer room. And sometimes, I don't know, I need to find a Ray Ray name for me. I don't know, Dina, Dina, that just doesn't catch. So I'm going to work on that, okay? Because 
<laughs> sometimes the, the bad Dina shows up. And I don't really feel, oh, I could have slept 20 more minutes. Okay, I'm being real with you right now. And I walk in that room, and you know what? Sometimes when I walk in that room so empty, it's the best time. But let me tell you, as those 20, 25 people begin to trickle in, the anointing starts to increase. Not because of me, but because of you. Because we're unified in that moment. We're unified in that place. And so I want to say to you, don't allow methodologies to divide us. So if you're in travail, but Sally's over praising, and Peter, he's over having a faith prayer, it's okay. God has it under control. Now, I get it if we're going to be praying off the wall and nothing's flowing. We might want to check our... Are, we might want to check out what we're doing. But it always flows. It always flows. And so I want to tell you that a lot of times there's this, there's this flow. And what that is is the actual heartbeat of God coming in. Apostle Ray doesn't know this, but we had a whole word about weariness on Sunday. And what did he preach? All I knew he was preaching about was focus. But one of his major things was, is if you don't have focus, it causes you to become weary, and weary leads you to unbelief. I was texting one of my ladies that was in there that gave that word. I said, I guess we got that one right. Because when you're praying the heartbeat of God, you'll see things change. You'll hear confirmation. I want to tell you, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep your ideas. Keep your agendas at the door. God's not interested. And I think a lot of times we walk into a prayer assignment or we walk into a prayer room and we handcuff God because of our ideas. Because we already have it figured out on how I'd like to go God to work in this situation. And we start playing chess for God instead of allowing him to do it and make the moves. Prayer is communication with the Father. It's a full embrace of who He is. And let me tell you, when He starts revealing who He is to you, you might get uncomfortable. You might. But it's okay. Because you have to embrace all that God is. And I want to encourage you tonight. God's yes to you and your yes back to Him is really all you need to be, in a, to be a prayer warrior. That's all you need. So, okay, so what is intercession? What is it? So I'm going to give you the simplest definition that I know intercession is. And that is standing in the gap in prayer for a person, another person, a city, a region, a family, a ministry... That's what intercession is. And let me say something right there. If you're not called to it, don't do it. Because the enemy will have a heyday with you. I have some intercessory friends that they have taken on assignments. And they have gotten so beat up. I feel so sorry for them. And we always have to go back. Did you hear God? Well... No, I got caught up in the, you know, a lot of my intercessory friends, they go on teams 
and they'll go on assignments. And one lady in particular that I know, she, she was not supposed to go on that trip. But the excitement, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And when she got home, it was sickness. It was all kinds of things because she wasn't called to it. Understand that about prayer and intercession. Don't go banging on doors you're not called to bang on. Don't do it. And so intercession is an aggressive wall of prayer. Intercession is living and playing offense. The song that Jared sang at the cross when he took his last breath, we got the ball. You have the ball, and we're going to talk about this next week a little bit, but we're going to talk about uh, the progression of, of intercession. We're going to talk about this, but I want to tell you, we're all about making first downs. We're all about moving the chains, and we have one goal in common, and that's to make the touchdown. That's where we're going, and if we can keep that in perspective, it will help us with the unification. Intercession, um, along with this aggressive wall, it's pushing back the evil strategies of hell. Let me tell you, the enemy and hell have a strategy to take out Beckley, West Virginia. But we serve a God because one of the things about this aggressive wall is unlocking glorious exploits in heaven. And just as much as hell wants Beckley, heaven wants it. <laughs> He wants it more. And if we don't start getting vision, we buy right into playing defense. Oh, man, we just, we just went through that. And we, just, and we begin to play defense, and we don't play like we have the ball. Another thing about intercession is it's doing battle for assigned territories and people. Some of you are going to be called to the schools. Some, are you, some of you are going to be called to the business mountain. Some of you are going to be called to go pray for the political mountain. They don't even need to know you're there. They don't need to know you're there. And one thing about this aggressive wall of prayer is we need to hit the mark. We don't just throw out a 50-50% prayer. I know our weather, you know, they kind of do the 50-50% thing here. But, but we're not going to pray like that. We're going to hit the mark. There's nothing more fulfilling as an intercessor to go into the prayer room and be like, God, what do you want to do? Pray it out and then see it manifest. There's nothing more rewarding. That's why I take a lot of notes when I'm in prayer. A lot of notes because we may not see that for a year. God says some things in prayer that blow our mind, and we're like, are you sure? Okay. And you've got to follow up with what he's saying. I'm going to do one, one more here. Intercession is a faith boomerang. You, you speak it out, and it comes back, and it manifests down here. And just as much as you can speak the evil, you can speak the good. And I think a lot of our issues in this region is, is word cursing. And what do you want to boomerang back to you? Do you want wild and wonderful? I do. Isaiah 55, 11 says, 
so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. His word's going to come back. He ain't going to let it fall. See, God's word as an intercessor and as prayer warriors, and you're all one to some degree, okay? I'm not saying all of you are, are called with that mantle and that gifting, but you're all called to pray. And as, as, a, as a saint and as a son and daughter, it is your duty, it is your job to discover what God's word is for the situation he's called you to. This, that, this scripture talks about that. You need to discover what the word is. And then, as an intercessor, as a prayer warrior, you speak it out in decrees and declarations. And at that moment, it comes back with power and intensity and it manifests breakthrough. That's what it does. Do you believe God's establishing a revival hub here? We're speaking it. We're prophesying it. We're putting it out there. It's not going to return void. It's not going to return void because when we do this revival hub, we will literally begin to pray out his plans for this region. Not just this house. This house absolutely has prophetic destiny or the enemy wouldn't have been beating it up for so many years. But so does West Virginia. It has a prophetic destiny. And we aren't going to take it by filling a few pews for a few hours a week. We're going to take it by equipping our youngest generation we're going to take it by equipping our youth to go into the school systems. We're going we're gonna to take it by equipping business people to do business differently. That's how we're going to take Beckley, West Virginia. We're going to take it by your voice, God's voice coming down, you discovering it, and you speaking it. Amen? Stand up with me. I don't have any more time. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember where I stopped. So you're going to have to come back for part two next week. Because there's so much more. But I wanna, I'm going to leave you with a testimony. Because I believe that God really does want to do some activation. And I think next week we need to do some, some activation. But... I'm going to leave you with a testimony. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep it pretty vague. But I'm telling you, the warfare in this community as a, is at a halt, is at a all-new high. But God's plans are higher. What Kyle say on Sunday morning, where darkness is, grace abounds. Our kids are in so much turmoil in their schools and the per persecution is so real. We need to pray, church. And I'm not just saying, Jesus, help them. I'm saying, pray for them to get the strategies to go into the schools. 
And my son had this very experience this week, and Mama didn't know what was going on. He didn't, he didn't tell us until Monday. But he, he got pretty beat up the last month or two at school, and we didn't know this. So how he, what they've been, I'm using this as a testimony of prayer. Our youth are on fire. They're praying. They get together every Sunday, and they pray together. So how he chose to combat it is he chose to begin to pray for this individual who was going around school making his life a living hell. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Because that's what warfare is. It's not, it, it's hot, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And he chose to pray for this girl. And Monday morning, he, he came, she came to him and she thanked him. This is the same girl that on Thursday and Friday was, was spreading all kinds of rumors about him, about being a goody two-shoes, you're just that kid. And on Monday morning, she came to him and said, I'm so sorry that I have done this. That's what prayer will do. It's not just because it's my son. It's what prayer will do. He chose to combat it in prayer. That's what he chose to do. And yesterday, if you think God will favor your life, if you will, if you will pray, he was the, they pick one student out of Shady Middle School, the way I understand it, to go to a leadership camp. Fully paid. Guess who they picked? The prayer warrior. The sad part is, is he can't go because he's going to be in Kenya. And he's really, like, he's having this, 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 but I'm telling you this to encourage you that a 14-year-old kid can get a strategy from heaven means you can get a strategy from heaven and watch it play out and go through hell for two months and not want to say anything and see the change. He literally broke oppression in that moment. That's what he did. That's what you can do. Raise your hands. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. And I, I encourage you, just begin to pray in your language. Father God, I pray right now that you begin to rise up in this house intercessors. I pray that you begin to rise up prophetic intercessors that hear your heartbeat and cause execution to come to Beckley, West Virginia. That our region will see change. That our region will be shaken to its core. And that your kingdom can come in. Father God and reverse the curse that has been spoken and I pray against every word curse that's been spoken over this region, over this house over the families that are represented right here. Father, I pray that you build a tenacity in each family. Listen, if you have warfare, I just feel like we're going to end right here if you have warfare going on in your family, you need to come to the altar it takes movement God was always moving. If you have warfare going on in your family, please come. Please come. And we're going to agree together that it stops in Jesus' name. It's not about me praying. It's about you praying. What's God saying? We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, 
visit cogfwc.org giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook.